is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Friday, September 1st, 2017, Season 13, Episode number 31. Welcome to another edition of The Break. It is a first edition in a long time. Seems like it's been forever since we've been on the, on the, uh, on the air. But we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot about Ezekiel Elliott and his situation. <laughs> his situation that's going on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the 53-man roster. I have a few questions for you guys around the bubble guys. Uh, actually, there's going to be a pretty cool piece of content that you two will be involved in later today that we're going to put out. Uh, just so you guys know, it's going to be a video where we're going to put all the writers together, Brian, Nick, Dave, Rob, and you guys are going to basically, you're going to figure out a 53-man roster. And from what I understand, you have to come to consensus on it. Good luck. That will be interesting. Good luck. I don't think I've ever seen Dave and Brian come to consensus on pretty much anything. LSU football. LSU football. That is one thing you guys come. And I don't even know if you agree on everything with LSU football. As soon as I said that, I was like, that's not true. That's not really true. Uh, But we got a lot to get into. How's everybody doing this morning? We're good. Good. Great. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm sure everybody's still kind of riding high from last night. I thought that was a really cool event. Uh, Cowboys yeah. put on a um, an event to raise some money for needy people down in uh, in Houston, South Texas, um, uh, for Harvey Relief. Uh, raised two point three million dollars last night. So a really cool event. Um, you guys covered it. Um, did you guys hear anything from the players that was that was interesting? I know you talked to a few players afterwards. Just anything that stood out to you about how they felt about doing the event or anything like that? Well, I, I think that the fact that you know when you look at what was going to happen on Thursday night and it was going to be a game. It was going to be these guys on the sideline and these guys that are going to be on the field. And that's exactly the way it was. It was just a little bit different than what, how it turned out. I mean, with, with a being a big bank of phones and they're, they're all answering it. Um, I, I thought that, you know, that obviously they were happy to do that and not practice, but as far as the, the cause, it was great. I mean, and, and the fact that the, the fans got to call players and talk to them. I mean, yeah, they were they were donating, but they were also getting a chance to talk with their favorite players. So I think it was kind of win-win for everybody there. And I don't want to go as far as to say that they didn't want to do it. Obviously, it's a good cause. It's a great cause. But I can see, you know, football players, especially, you know, not Jason Witten, but guys that aren't in the spotlight so much. Maybe you're a little bit apprehensive about that, you know, taking phone calls from strangers. How am I going to work the phone? This is on TV. Like, what what exactly am I doing? But it seemed like whatever apprehensive this they might have had, I think it went away really quickly. And, and you could tell how excited all those guys were to be a part of that. And and I think, you know, once they kind of got the feel for the flow of it, I thought, you know, all the feedback I heard from those guys was really, really positive. Yeah, and that, again, they raised $2.3 million, so that's always a good thing when you're raising money uh, to help people that are that are really in need. Uh, and some cool moments, too. Uh, last night, I know that there was the moment when uh, Jerry, and, and he calls in and, and gets Dez on the line, and uh, he makes his domain, donation of a million dollars. That was a fun little moment. So there's a lot of little moments like that that made it really cool and interesting and fun as well. Yeah, and a lot of them just kind of repeated over and over. This whole situation went beyond football. So a lot of fans were wondering 
whether they should have canceled the game or not, maybe use that as a good cause to donate money and raise money. But they handled it in a really good way, turned it around in a way that the Texans were able to get back home to their families and their community, yet they were able to keep raising money for a good cause. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk a little bit about this Zeke Elliott case. I know it's a big flip from talking about raising money for people who need it to now talking about a, uh, a court case. Uh, but that's kind of where we are. Do you have something you want to say? It's, no, well, it's just a, it's the perfect um, description of this job and this team and this beat. Because, <laughs> like, I left the stadium. I was walking out of the stadium. I didn't take the buses, so I drove myself. So I was a little bit behind everybody else. And I'm walking out. I was kind of on, like, a high, like, man, like, we did a cool thing. This is, you know, players did this, and Jerry gave that, and we're helping out, and this is important. And I didn't even get to my car before, like, the first trickles of news started to come about uh, Kia Roberts, and, you know, she recommended no suspension. So I'm reading that, and I'm like, oh, God, what does this mean? Where, where are we going from here? And... I went and got dinner and by the time I got home, that's when, you know, that's when you're seeing about, you know, Zeke's lawyers filing in East Texas court for a restraining order. I'm just like my, my good feeling from the telethon lasted for about 15 minutes before it's like, all right, shift gears here and get back into the nitty gritty of whatever this whole thing is. So that's exactly right. I know Nick and I were on the bus together and Amber was on there as well. And I remember I, I, gave Nick my phone and said, read this. And it was the article where they were talking about some of the allegations um, that we'll get into a little bit here. Um, just to kind of lay it out, yesterday they completed the appeal process. Uh, they they had the uh, uh, Zeke and his representatives appealed the suspension, the six-game suspension. That completed yesterday. Um, and then after that, last night, the NFLPA filed a petition in federal court in Plano, Texas, um, to prevent the suspension and are expected to file a temporary restraining order. Um, and they did it based upon some language that they use where they said that he was deprived of fundamental fairness. Um, basically, um, I guess the question for you guys is, what was the what was the NFL really alleging here was was fundamentally unfair? Because obviously they, the NFL went through its process. It took 13 months. They handed down a six a six game suspension. What did they say was fundamentally unfair? Well, I honestly like I'm always hesitant on these things to, to talk about when, cause when we haven't really been digging deep and looking at, at both sides of it. But I think what 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 they were saying is is that if you're going to allow Zeke to, you're going to basically put him there to testify, but then not not say that the witness could testify, not put Roger Goodell on, on there um, as well. It's, it, basically, what they're saying is is we, we're okay with hearing one side, but we don't want to put that argument up against any others because that, that's a good way to compare, you know, you know, black, white, right, wrong. I mean, you you can look at these two things and go, you know what, uh, it, that doesn't really hold up next to what Zeke is saying. But if you don't put her over there, then it's hard. It's harder to to do that. And on top of that, and you know, that's it's two separate stories. One is that they're you know filing for a restraining order, and then the other one is the one that came out, ESPN and to be uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram. Our friend Clarence Hill, Kia Roberts, who is uh, yeah, go Q, cool. Um, Kia Roberts, who's Robertses. a a big, just going, we're going here. A big part of this whole investigation. Uh, the only person who spoke to Tiffany Thompson in person and examined, you know, 
directly, you know, cross-examined her and checked her story out. She came back from all of that with a recommendation of no suspension. And then when, you know, if you remember back to August 11th, when we were on that conference call with uh, the, the NFL's panel, which she was a, a part of, but she was not allowed or not invited to the meeting with Roger Goodell where discipline was settled on. And so more so than anything, the way I interpret it is that that specifically, that big red flag, you know, on top of the fact that, you know, Tiffany Thompson wasn't allowed at the appeal, which that that's standard operating procedure, but still in a case where personal testimony is basically the main evidence, Zeke's camp was obviously peeved that she couldn't be part of that. And then to later find out that the only person that has directly spoken with her wasn't a part of deciding on this, they're basically saying this is bull. And not only that, her recommendation of no suspension was obviously completely disregarded when they came up with a six-game suspension. Right, right. exactly. And so and we were talking about that right before we came on, is you could argue that it is, it, it, and so much of this is about strategy and posturing. You know, Obviously, stuff like this gets leaked to the press for a reason, because you're trying to put pressure on the to get the result that you want. You want the public to know about these things so that you can hear this conversation and generate this buzz. That's certainly part of it. On top of that... You're sitting here, so so you're trying to put pressure on them to get the decision you want, but also, as I said, I mean, when you see, when you see this stack of of, and and their own language says it, unfair factors working against you, they're gonna do what they can to challenge any ruling that they get that isn't a vacation of the suspension, in my opinion. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but the way that I perceive this whole thing is they're throwing the gauntlet down and saying we're fighting this as long and as hard as we have to fight it. We're not going to take anything less than zero games. See, I don't I don't know if I agree completely with that. I kind of think, I agree with you from the standpoint, I do believe that uh, that filing this petition was a preemptive strike, number one, because they wanted to already get it out there before. Because if you remember in the in the Brady case, the NFL sued Brady back. The Brady sued the NFL, the NFL sued him back. So I think this was kind of a preemptive strike in the same kind of way. But I also think it was, as you said, it's trying to put some public pressure on the NFL to say, hey, we want the public to know all these things that kind of stack up that suggest that this was an unfair situation and an unfair ruling so that hopefully as knowing that 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 the NFL has a responsibility to its constituents, which are its fans, knowing that those people understand all these other factors that now when you make your appeal ruling, it it should factor that in because the people know now, right? And so I think that's more of what it is. And and I would suspect, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think. It sounds like Dave, you've already kind of said what you think on that. But I I think that if you get if it came back to a game or two games, I wonder at least if if Zeke is willing to say, okay, I'll step back, I'll take that game or two games to get this thing over with, even though he may still maintain he did nothing wrong. Okay, and see, now we've flipped from where we were a month ago. Right. I was the one that was saying that, and you were saying, if you're accused of something as heinous as this, and you know you didn't do it, fight it, fight it, fight it. I was saying, saying, we were also talking about should versus would. I'm saying, I think he would. Personally, if it were me, I would fight it just because I would want to regain my name. But I get what I'm thinking now is, And sure, I mean, strategy is definitely part of it, but if you feel strongly enough about it to preemptively put stuff in court that, and and we have this on paper, I mean, I'm I'm taking them at their word, let's just assume this is true, that the only person that that spoke to the accuser in person 
recommended no discipline. If you have that as your trump card, and I assume, and Clarence wrote, that was a big part of Jerry's confidence in this whole thing in the first place was that this high-ranking NFL official, he felt confident was going to recommend no discipline. If you've got that in your back pocket, maybe you fight it anyway because you're like, you got nothing to stand on other than what the CBA allows you to do, which obviously that is problematic. Right. That is problematic, but I guess it just depends on how strongly you feel that this whole thing isn't worth it. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine the NFL handling this any worse than they have because when you think about how long they drew this out and then they they made the decision when they did kind of and then now trying to put some pressure that well, he's got to hurry up and make this decision on this appeal i mean you knew that that zeke was going to appeal this they they knew that for them to to, to now kind of put pressure because the season's about to start and this whole time that they investigated they when they finally gave that letter to say why we suspended him and then left out key parts of the investigation, of the investigation that of, of their own investigator. They left her out. They left her, her recommendations out. And then now kind of want to want to force the issue because the season's about to start. We got to get this appeal process done. I mean, I I, I give credit to to Zeke's lawyers for for moving quickly on this and getting a lot of information. But I mean, I just think the NFL drug this out and then tried to kind of hope for a quick resolution. And now it's going to be a real mess because the season's starting, and he's now he's going to have to. He's probably going to get to play this first game because then I don't think they're anywhere close to having a decision being made. Unless, unless I mean, unless what you just described happens and they give him two, and he decides to just take it and and call it a draw, then I'm yeah. I mean, he's going to play. Yeah, I, I play the whole season, and we'll be talking about this in February. Yeah. That's honestly where I think this is going. Yeah, because I, honestly, I don't think the NFL. I don't it's hard for the NFL to make a to now make a ruling that decreases it significantly. They knew all they they said they knew all this information. And like that's, that's what came out this morning. There was a report that said and the NFL said in in response to all this that they knew this information. It wasn't a situation where uh, the recommendations of the investigator were held from from the commissioner. The commissioner was well aware of what the the investigator recommended. So without any new information to go from six to two games or six to one games, like how does that make sense? I think the NFL, in the same way they did with the Brady case, I think they look at it probably and say, hey, if we got to go to court, we got to go to court. And what they're still going to use as their trump card is we collectively bargain this, guys. And because we collectively bargain it, the commissioner has full right and authority to be able to come to whatever conclusion he wants to come to and dole out whatever punishment he suits he seems he deems is necessary and and I don't know that a court is necessarily going to go against that. I'm not super confident in most of what I'm saying because I'm not a lawyer. It's a lot of writing and legal jargon and I'm a dumb sports writer, but if there's one thing I'm really confident in is that you can't underestimate the league's desire to protect itself, protect its image to an un alarmingly stubborn degree, in my opinion, to where, yeah, I think they'll they'll fight this as long as they have to to avoid the inference that they're wrong, incompetent, whatever other charge you want to lay at their feet. They're not going to let that slide, and they're not going to be intimidated by Jerry Jones or Zeke or Tom Brady or whoever. I mean, we saw that with Tom Brady. Yeah, like there's not a bigger name in the NFL than Tom Brady, and for them to drag that out as far as they did and to go the full length of it with it suggests to me that they're not going to be they're not going to be less 
prone to do that with Ezekiel Elliott. In my personal opinion, they care more about what they look like and how they're seen than really any of the actual mechanics of this or the morality of it. That's what I think. And they, so I expect them to fight it as hard and as long as they have to, to avoid looking stupid, basically. This looks like the uh, Mayweather fight to me. (laughs) Mayweather and McGregor. Because at first, Mayweather's just kind of sitting there. He was taking the shots, and they were kind of like, hmm, wow, how's this going to go? Just kind of, And then he kind of started coming back. And then about the ninth or tenth round, then you kind of started to see. But if it would have gone longer, you never know. Maybe, maybe it would have gone the other way. So right now, Zeke's coming back here. Zeke's now got some, some, some shots. He looks like he's in, in sort of control of this a little bit. But the, like you just said, the NFL's not done. No one's waving the towel quickly on this one and saying, you know, was what would have happened later. So I, I think that, that yeah, he's got leverage right now, and he's got a little bit of momentum, but it's just this back and forth, and the NFL's got, got something in their and back then, pocket. And then you go back to the whole case about um, Josh Brown and what happened to him and with him, admitting what he did, and he only gets a one-game suspension, and you compare it to Ezekiel Elliott, this whole deal, like you guys have been saying – they can't not fight this because then again, they look like they really messed up and all that. But regardless of everything, it's still, whether Zeke can play the first week or not, it's still going to affect the team somehow because they're having to make cuts this Saturday, tomorrow. So their cuts are going to be based on, you know, they still don't know what the outcome is going to be and they still have to be able to cover that whole and depth. And it's a, Totally valid point. This is just my opinion, and I there's I think you're right. This and this this isn't over by a long shot, but I'm more confident than I ever have been that he's he's that gonna, he's, playing. he's playing. I agree with you. And so I don't even think there's this gray area where you got like, well, how long is he going to be on the team? How long do we have to suspend him? Who do we keep? Who do we cut? That's I don't even consider that an issue because. I don't think the league is going to give them a satisfactory answer to the point where they won't push this thing through to court. And therefore, I expect them to be on the 53 yeah, at this right. point in time. And so whoever you're getting rid of to make that work, do it. But I don't even think of it as being that ambiguous is- because that's how strongly that I view that restraint. That Everything Zeke's camp has done in the last 24 hours, I view it as a very strong statement that they're intent on him playing. This is a huge story in all of sports and you think about what drives the nfl the most when it comes to money like what's the biggest thing they've got financially that 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 puts money in their pockets tv tv okay why do people watch why do you think people watch tv the the games as much as they do i mean there's interest in the league fantasy football fantasy football I, Who's the number one player that, that could be? 75% of the interactions that I get on a daily basis about Zeke are fantasy more so football. from fantasy football he is football easily players. a top three pick. Yeah. Without the suspension, he is easily so, a top three pick. And, and the your one and two picks are not doing anything right now. Are, are, are not two of your top three. Two of the top three. Because it can vary. I think those three yeah. can vary. But yes. Two of your top three guys, depending on your league, are... There's a big cloud. There's a big cloud. Yeah. Right, yeah. So... Is there a cloud around Bell? Didn't he... 
He hasn't reported yet. Has he? He's supposed to report today. He report. He reported today. So he's supposed to. Well, I haven't heard if he has reported. Your but. theory on that? If you miss all the camp, I don't mess with guys that miss <laughs> all the camp. I just my thing. I because I've seen too many of them end up with hamstring don't injuries make me, or don't, whatever. Don't make me talk about fantasy football. All right, I'm so. just saying I, I stay away from those guys. But you're right. There's a big cloud. So yeah, point. And, and just saying that this isn't a Dallas thing. The Giants. It's not just the Giants and Cowboys looking at this. There's there's a guy in, in Sacramento, California, right now who's got a fantasy league. He's got the number one pick, you know, unless they're, unless some people have already done it. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I'd say I, a lot of people. Yeah. 70, 75 to 95% of fantasy football players have already drafted. And, and that's why I think one of the first three responses to Schefter's tweet about the, I keep wanting to call it a suit. It's not a suit, but the restraining order, you know, he posted the PDF of this thing that they sent into the court. The third guy to respond is like, fantasy bargain, baby. I got him in the third round. Just, and there we go. Uh, that, I was just about to say that on. there are a ton of people out there that took a flyer and said in the second and the third round, I'm going to take a gamble that he's ready to play or that he doesn't play and doesn't miss six games. I'm one of those people that are now sitting there looking like, man, take this thing to court. Take it to court. I want him playing. I want him playing. Such a nerd. I'm just saying, like, there are a bunch of people out there like that. You're right, Nick. That drives a lot of the interest around oh, yeah. the NFL is fantasy yes, football. And so there are a bunch of people who are betting this with interest. You know. Right. You know, the, not only fantasy football, but betting. I mean, right. That's why people, you combine those two audiences. Yeah. What's Nobody that? would. What, what do you say? Is that, is that 65, what? 70? What do you think? That's 65, 70% of your, of your watching fan base is either betting or playing fantasy football, would you guess? The amount of people who are like seriously more? invested in the NFL and like live and die with it with having no money on the line is like fewer than 15%. Yeah. Like, getting them which. I would argue, though, like that 15% are the people that listen to our shows and go to our website. I mean, like we... They're just hardcore. Diehards. Yes. We deal in diehards. But 75 to 90% of just the average league fan base, the 300 million people that watch the NFL every year, the vast majority of those people have money invested somehow. Monday Night Football games, the matchups have really been horrible lately. I mean, the last couple of years, they don't really have great matchups. But you've probably got a fantasy player on there, a receiver, and you're down by 12 points, and you got, you want him just just throw the ball to Julio Jones. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't care who wins or whatever. Yep. People, people, a lot of the betters put their money on that last game just because it's something to watch. Let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, uh, we will have more talk. Uh, we'll have a little bit more we'll get to maybe on this topic, but we'll definitely move on. Talk a little bit about even though the Cowboys didn't play the Texans last night, we want to throw out some names of some guys that could have used that game. Uh, players that might be on the bubble uh, coming this weekend when when cuts come tomorrow. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credit start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. 
We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag troop thanks. That's hashtag troop thanks. And by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. It's bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together. You picked up a spare, but you're craving something better. A thirst runs deep inside, you don't know what to do. You crave a nice cold Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you. Crave Rider. You ride the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper. Crave Rider. When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do. Pick up an ice cold 20 ounce bottle today. Dr. Pepper. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome back it's the second segment of the break we are live from the swbc mortgage studios at the star we're heading into week one of the nfl season and i'm so excited that we're done with preseason and done with training camp and you're it's now to, time to you about to have an expletive in there somewhere you kind of made like a it's okay no i didn't i was kind of made like a no, not at all. No, sorry. I was just saying that. I was saying I'm happy that we're done with preseason and training camp. Forty. This has been the longest, seemingly longest preseason and training camp. Forty days. Yeah, it just seemed very long. Forty days from that's the how time, much it was from the time we landed in California until the last practice, which we'll call last night. Forty days. Yeah. You got lucky. You got Zeke. You got Demontre Moore. You got. <laughs> Canton. I had forgotten about Lucky. You got the Tyrone and Hitchens injuries. Like, I feel like we've played a season and yeah. the season hasn't started. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And then you had this last week, which was, again, Mother Nature. But it yeah. Was, oh, and I forgot. Yeah. You know, the, the Texans come and practice here and we're kind of figuring decade. out whether we're going to actually have a game here. And, and it just, I don't know, just the whole thing was kind of a, a, a fitting wrap up to what has been a, an extremely crazy and unpredictable. Uh, preseason and training camp for the Cowboys. But now we get into some football, and we'll head into week one next week. Uh, let's go ahead and move on and talk a little bit about that uh, that non-game last night. Um, the Cowboys, instead of having the game, uh, because the, the Texans obviously had an opportunity to go home, um, and rightfully so, they should have gone home at that point. Uh, they canceled the game, um, and instead we had the, the, the telethon. But as a part of the telethon, there was also a practice for the younger guys, the guys that probably would have played or definitely would have played in that final preseason game. Um, talk to me, and I, I'll let each of you guys kind of talk, but talk to me about a guy or two uh, that you think really could have used that game or that's sitting on the bubble that really is going to need, uh, that's going to can garner some serious consideration as to whether he's on this team or not on this team come tomorrow. How about selfishly? I'm really happy that they that Noah Brown didn't have to play another game. Because like... Why? Because all he could do is hurt himself, in my opinion, I mean, liter- either literally or figuratively, because I think he's on the team right now. I think he played well. He's played well 
uh, throughout the preseason. They put him in with the starters against the Raiders. He's, I, I think he's the sixth receiver on this team. But if he goes out and just stinks up the joint against the Texans, I don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe they change the conversation. So I was like, yeah, you just you just stay over here and don't do anything else. Don't put any there's, bad tape out. There's a young player on this team that, that is reading these stories or listening to it in the locker room that says, you mean Zeke may not get suspended? Like, yeah, like that's awesome. It could be Noah Brown who could be like, that's great, Buckeye. Well, someone's getting cut because of this. Some player is going to get re- released because Zeke is now could be on the roster because I don't think it's going to be a running back. I don't think they would do that because of all these things that are up in the air. So it's just somebody down the, the roster. We're going to go lighter at linebacker. Maybe it's a Nazacha. Maybe it's Noah Brown. Maybe it's a Marquez White. But there's somebody out there that's going to feel the, the ramifications of this. And I think it could be Noah Brown. you got to go long at running back. Maybe you're not going as as long at receiver. I don't know. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about just a guy like Noah Brown, I wonder, I know we're around here and so we see practice every day. I wonder if there are, you know, I don't know, 15 of the 32 teams have a Noah Brown. Yes. Is it very common? Is Noah Brown a very common guy, a a really good guy from the standpoint of a rookie, a guy that comes in his first camp and can make make you say, wow, that was a pretty nice thing that he just did. But I'm looking at, at a team like the Seahawks, and they got their reports out there that, that Curse, who's been with them now, I guess it's probably four years or so, I would guess. Oh, more than that, I think. He, he's a guy that they got kind of – they're waving out for, for yeah. trades. And it's like that's a Noah Brown-type guy, right? It, are, there, are those guys pretty plentiful so that maybe you could get a guy like Noah Brown onto your practice squad? You're just saying a good player. Like, I don't think Jermaine Curse and Noah Brown are, like, similar actual no, 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 yeah, no, no, okay. I'm saying from the standpoint of their you. quality of player, and right? That's, I said that back earlier in training camp is you spend so much time around these guys, you kind of can't see the forest for the trees. Right. Like, you're just, you really can't get them to the practice squad. You just think there's no way you can get them to sure. the Sure, but... The when you the day you think that's going to happen is the day he gets snatched up when you cut him. I mean, you have to be open to that possibility if you're going to cut him. Only one team wants has to want him, right? Right. If yeah. you're absolutely if you're absolutely just dead set like we can't risk it, then the only the only thing you can do is keep him. Which I you're right. I think pretty much every team has a guy like that. But I've just been not just by what I've seen, but the. The skill, not to to the point I was trying to make. He's not Jermaine Curse because Jermaine Curse isn't six two and a half, two hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, he's got measurables that don't come along all that often. But Jermaine Curse has actually made some plays in this sure league. He has. Like he's made some plays. Jermaine Curse would be the hero of Super Bowl forty, whatever it was, right. forty nine. Had they run the ball? Had they run the ball at the one? I mean, that nobody remembers that catch. Yes, no, it was a it was a heck of a yeah. Nobody right. remembers that yeah. catch. So yeah, he's great. Whatever. I I just I like Noah Brown. I think he's gonna make the team. Whatever. Get off my back. I think the guy that <laughs> I think the guy that that could have used the game, uh, and he might be okay in any ways. But I think Lewis Neal, uh, in a game like that where he's gonna play a lot, and he could have made a few tackles there. He could have made some sacks, uh, tackled behind the line of scrimmage. You know, there are two spots open for the defensive line, and Tapper just doesn't feel like he wants to take one of them. So. You know, I, I think that there's you got to get somebody in there, Joey Ivy, Lewis Neal, uh, because he's got position flex. I think that that you know he he has a shot. But every guy that gets cut, I guarantee you they're going to go to the you know Microsoft Excel and sort by defensive end, defensive tackle, and they're going to look at all of them. And I have a feeling that some of them are going to be better than Joey Ivy and Lewis Neal. And 
I think that that's a classic case where the 53 will come out on Saturday and it'll be final for less than yeah. 24 hours. And you, maybe Lewis Neal makes the team on Saturday and he's not on it by Monday morning. And every, you, every single year, it will it will happen. One to three guys who are not on this team now will be on the final fifty three. Sunday is a very underrated day. About yeah, it's you know things guys that are getting claimed and defensive so you, defensive line is a space that I I'm looking at. We always say final roster. And right, it's, it's furthest well, it, thing from it. I mean, if you want to get real meta, it's never final because how many transactions do they yeah. do during the course of the year? But back in, I mean. Back into the D line, uh, back into the linebacker depth chart is a place that I'm looking. Yeah. Um, maybe offensive line, but I kind of doubt it. I know I think we've had that argument before. Noah Brown, Emmett Cleary, Mark Nazacha, Marquez White, Robert Blanton, Robert Blanton, and uh, you know, not Tapper. He's going to make it, but but. Uh, you know, Lewis Neal, Joey Ivy. I mean, this it's is is more. Does more have something? To, well, I guess because Kellen Moore. Suspension. No, no, no. Demontre Moore. Moore. Is Demontre Moore a guy that you think is on that bubble, or you think he's clearly on the team? Well, he won't be on the team because he's suspended. Obviously, we. I think we talked about this last. No time reason we were on. to do anything with him. He is. He if he was not suspended, he is a stone cold lock for me. Like I agree with that. Not even up for debate, and I think they're going to be counting the minutes until he gets back. That's how good he's been during the preseason. So he goes straight to reserve suspended, and yeah, nothing's. I think I'm not one of the two, Ir- Irving and Moore. One of them is allowed at the facility during his suspension, and one of them's not. I think, but I don't remember which is which. It's probably, I would think Moore. Yeah, I think too. I don't know, but either way, you'll get him back in time for week three, and I th- and. Whoever, you know, they claim somebody, or maybe you keep, maybe you don't bother getting somebody on the defensive line because you know you're cutting Lewis Neal when Demontre Moore comes back in two weeks. I yeah. mean, it's Possibly. all it's all up in the air. What is the deal with Duke Thomas? Uh, he sustained the injury. He was having a great camp, yeah. having a great preseason, and then the injury comes, which is what you hate to see for a young guy uh, who's trying to make a team. This is going to be a tricky one for the Cowboys because you could do an injury settlement and just let him kind of go. Uh, you pay him for however many weeks he's going to be hurt, which he's got a high ankle sprain and a sprained MCL. So, I, but the problem about that is you do injury settlement, you're the last team that can get him back. He's got to clear through waivers. And then, like, I think there's like a four to six week period, and then you can get him back. So, that's not the route if you like him. Uh, you could put him on injured reserve and probably just keep him there. He's not one of my guys I'd bring back after eight weeks. You know, you can only do that twice. Rico, that might happen with Rico. So I could see him going to injured reserve and just probably clearing waivers, you you know, and then he just reverts to your back to your IR and he stays there. And, and there's no harm team. in that, right? To me, I think oh. that's the best case scenario. Except for he doesn't play football. For I him. Say. I'm saying from the standpoint of the team, if you want to be – if you think he's a young guy that can develop into something uh, then you and you want to keep him – this is your way to keep him on the roster without having to affect your roster, right? Ab- absolutely, but I it sucks being a not great player in the NFL. Like if you're expendable, you and honestly, if if you know, I, and I don't know the severe severity of Rico's concussion. Maybe he does need the extra time. But again, if he's a guy that winds up on IR mainly as roster management, then you're, he's not practicing for six to eight weeks. It's the same thing, and 
it's effective from a team standpoint, but Duke Thomas won't be able to get better for a year and he won't be able to go somewhere else and get better. And that sucks for him. I yeah. mean, I get why the Cowboys do it. But it but also depends on how long he's going to be injured. Yeah. If this injury is going to be, a, I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm throwing out a number, so don't quote me on this. But if it's a six-week injury, if you're going to go six weeks into the season with this, then you know maybe it is worth it just because you know it's going to take up half, the, almost yeah, half you're right. the season. Right? And High ankle sprain is one thing, but MCL sprain, I mean, he might right. he might actually need some time with that, which right. in that case, it's not that big of a deal. But I tend to have a, more sympathy for the struggling player who's trying to make it over the multi-billion dollar corporation that's just managing its roster. Yeah, I get that. But it also, I would say this, though, it is a good advantage for him because I don't know that teams would be rushing out to pull him up, uh, to put him on their team. No. If he's got, uh, you know, an injury right. that's that's serious, right. you know, so... If he stays here, he gets the rehab that he needs here. He still can be working out and getting stronger, right? And then once you know, once you get to the offseason, he starts back into the offseason program and works toward uh, possibly making the team next year. So it's not all bad for the player um, in that kind of situation, if that's what they deem True. the right situation or the right way to go on this. And then in January or February, whenever the season ends, whatever, not trying to say anything, but February. whenever the season ends, then we're like, yeah, they got Duke Thomas. He'll be back with another I'll year. I'll be so excited. He'll be better. He's a I'll Texas guy. I'll be so guy. excited. And then the off-season hype train continues again. <laughs> and we start it all over next year. There we go. Do you have something you're about to say? He might just be on the team. It's just depending on how they do it. I mean, he might just be on their IR, and then he's just – he's. Yeah, and that's also the question I was going to ask, too, is let's assume that, that they do decide that this injury is not a long-term one, and because of what he's done so far that they want to just make him a part of the team. Does that mean Mark West White is now out of the picture? No. Or do they keep – can they have do that room for – Mark West White makes the team. Okay. I mean, I, But I think he but. makes the team because – Duke is in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I thought Duke's been I mean, better, but but I think Marquez is going to make it. Um, the only reason he wouldn't is if they decide that Robert Blanton needs to be on the team right now for special teams purposes and all that. But I, I always forget think, about him. You think seven cornerbacks is they they would go seven cornerbacks? That would only be six. I think it's just six. Am I counting wrong? Yeah, should, should ten, ten guys: Anthony Brown, three rookies, Owen Carroll, Brown, Scandrick. Jordan Lewis, Scandrick. Duke Thomas and Marquez White. We're talking about a situation where Duke Thomas. Duke Thomas is not. No, but that's why I was just asking. The, my first question was: I thought you were saying that. What if they decided they just wanted to go ahead and put him on the roster? No, no, no. That's not what I said. You okay. wave him injured. He reverts to your IR. He stays here. He rehabs. He right. does things. When the season's over, he's on your team. Just like if another guy gets hurt and he's on injured reserve for the year. Right. I got that. He's on your team. I thought you were saying no. or the other option, just make him put him on the roster. Oh no. Okay, I got you. You don't think this? You think this injury is enough to where they can't just put him on the roster? Yeah, yeah, and he's not good enough to, to if to just do that. If he was Patrick Peterson, maybe you do that. Right. But yeah, he's not. So have we heard anything about a timetable on how long he's going to be out? Sprain MCL and I'm. Sprain MCL has always been four to six. High ankle sprain can be anywhere between one week and a year. So I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> and that's that seems to be the the going thing when it comes to high ankle sprains. You just never know. I, I've seen Patrick Creighton get a high ankle sprain on Sunday, play on the Thanksgiving Day game on Thursday. I've seen a guy get high ankle sprain week two, and it bothered him next year at camp. I was going to say Randy Gregory got a high ankle sprain in his first ever game and he missed like seven weeks so you just never know five or it six. depends on the position and all that but i would think i've never covered an nfl receiver but i would think if you're a cornerback in this league and you probably would need two healthy ankles to go cover these guys maybe i would think maybe 
But he went to Texas, so maybe he's got super strength. We do we special things. We do things that change the world. Don't All right, let's take our final break. We're going to come back. We'll get some questions from you guys. Make sure you give us a call. The number is 214-872-2102. Again, it's 214-872-2102. You can also hit us on Twitter at Cowboys Break. This is The Break. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See below for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Jack Black products are carefully formulated with the finest natural ingredients and proven high-performance skincare technology. You'll find these performance products in the locker room at the Ford Center and in the luxury suites at AT&T Stadium. Go to our website at getjackblack.com and check out all of our game-changing products, including Beard Lube, our award-winning shave cream, and Deep Dive Glycolic Facial Cleanser, a Men's Health Award winner. Again, that's getjackblack.com. Nothing complicated, nothing cosmetic, just superior skincare. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, we've been talking about the 53-man roster. We had a, Dave was saying how much he really believes Noah Brown makes this team. And I assume Jerry was listening to the show because Jerry just commented on our uh, our station. Or uh, maybe. Our local station 105.3. Maybe I think Noah Brown makes the team because I go looking for information and get informed opinions first. Eh, I kind of think the other way. I oh, think Jerry okay. just heard you and was like, That would yeah. be awesome. That, <laughs> right? that would be I'm so cool. I'm giving you a lot of credit here. That would be so cool. But Jerry just, just basically said he thinks Noah Brown makes the 53. He said, yes, he thinks he's going to make the 53. So your guy sounds like he's in. If that is the case, it would be the yep. first time since yep. 2011 that they bothered to carry six receivers. So. So make sure when you guys do your Which, 53 man. Hey, pump the brakes because I mean I'd have to imagine he's a game day inactive at least to start the season out. But probably most of the time. I'm just really intrigued by his skill set, and I think it's a smart idea to keep him around. Because think he's better than Andy Jones. Yes, better than Andy Jones was at this time last year. I think he yes because Andy Jones hit a brick wall and disappeared about halfway through camp. Which no offense to him, but he kind of did the same thing again this year. And that's it's an interesting juxtaposition because the first two weeks of camp, it was like neck and neck, like highlight yeah. catch here, Brown here, Andy here. And like it was like, man, how are they going to decide between these two guys? And then like right around the Rams game, it started just being Noah Brown, Noah Brown, Noah Brown. Where's Andy? He's hurt. Is he still hurt? Is he back from being hurt? He's back, but now he's not making plays. 
And uh, I, actually, I meant to say, you know, I felt like we were so wrapped up in the telethon last night and for good cause. Uh, but the practice was still pretty enlightening. Brian wrote a great notebook about it. It's on our site right now. And he was even, you know, Andy dropped a wide open slant during 11 v 11 yesterday. And it's just kind of that's been a problem for him. Whereas, I mean, I think Noah Brown's gotten better as camp has gone on, which is impressive for a rookie. Lance Lenore. Is there mm. any shot? I mean, obviously he's a Amber's guy. I, last night he kept makes another like he's made several catches, and I, I, I said this back you know a couple weeks of uh, maybe a week ago that yeah we 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 pound on him and rightfully so about the you know not catching punts like he just for some reason just having problems with that sometimes. But the other day I saw him playing, in practice and he literally just tripped over himself. Right. Like, but <laughs> but do do but at the wide receiver position when he's running routes and catching passes. He's made quite a few plays, and I think quite a few plays, not only in preseason games, but even down to last night, they had a really nice play there. Uh, it was a, I don't know how long the pass was. So it's hard to tell when you're on the field sometimes. Uh, but it was down the sideline, and he caught it in the end zone over double coverage. I mean, it was a pretty remarkable throw, pretty more remarkable catch. And he's done that kind of thing throughout training camp in the preseason. Obviously, he's not going to make this team, but I would think he's a guy that you definitely want to get on the practice squad, right? There's awesome little hints that you can pick up if you pay attention mm -hmm. and last week when they were finishing well at wow Tuesday feels like it was a week ago but or maybe it was Monday either way when they were practicing in the star they were doing scout team prep work for the Giants Ford centers where they were really I'm, practicing. I'm sorry you're right Ford Center excuse me sorry. um and they they gave out and they do this for opponents they gave out jerseys with 13 on them they're simulating Odell Beckham and what he does in the Giants offense they gave one of those jerseys to Lance Lenore and that to me signify of all the guys they have he most uh, among non-starters he most represents what Beckham can do and his skill set and his speed and blah 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 and when you factor that in with the he's made plays he can he can return punts. Uh, <laughs> do the imaginary quotes. He is capable of apparently doing that. Maybe whatever. He's a versatile guy, and they like his talent. Yeah, I I think he's a good bet to be on the practice squad if they can make him get him there. If they can get him, they there. Can get which they I I'm not. Wor I'm worried about. Not Noah. worried about it. I'm worried about Noah Brown getting to the practice squad. I'm not, not that Lance. worried about Lance Lenore. All right. All right, good. Uh, let's get some questions. You guys can call us. Numbers two one four eight seven two twenty one zero two. Again, it's two one four eight seven two. 2102 and uh, we can also get questions on twitter at cowboys break amber what do we have over there and we were talking well you guys were talking earlier about lewis neal do you guys think that he could possibly turn into a younger version of jack crawford on this defensive line if he makes the roster jack crawford is so big i mean and versatile yeah he's versatile but this guy can be versatile but i mean he has, has versatile? so like, much size yeah well, no, because he, he doesn't he can't probably play like the one technique. He can't, you know. I mean, anybody that can this guy could go from one to three to the outside. So and he was as big as a house. So I, I don't Jack Crawford is uh I don't think he's a great comparison to Lewis Neal because of he he can do more things and he can hold up a little bit more. We don't really know if Lewis Neal can kind of hold up. I don't know who I would compare Lewis Neal to because you don't see very many NFL D linemen who are as short as him, and the ones that are are much bulkier. I mean, he's he's five eleven, two hundred and there have sixty been, pounds. Probably. There have been bigger linebackers in the league than him. I mean, you you much. walk around you walk around here and you are around NFL players, 
and I mean, you know, you know, you're like this dude is he's a football player. Like, and this is I'm not trying to knock Lewis Neal, but he, and if he was playing linebacker, you'd probably say, okay, he's a nice sized linebacker. He just he but is, he's playing defensive line. Yeah, he is not physically awe inspiring the way that you know, like a Demarcus Lawrence or a, you know, who Des Bryant. You're just like, whoa, Lewis Neal. You're like, yeah, he looks like a fairly normal looking person, all yeah. things considered. So I I mean. I think he's got a good bet to make the team, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. If but he's also that guy that that's getting a spot, and when these other guys that are on suspension are coming back, he's probably going to be one of the guys that's on the bubble. Yeah. I think, luckily for them, I think that plays in their favor because he's a guy that I think might clear waivers because, again, he's he's not too too impressive. I mean, his tape's good, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they could get him onto their practice squad. I, because you've got two guys that are suspended at that position, I think that you only really keep eight. I mean, I, I think whoever makes the team will probably be active. I can't imagine going nine right now and having one of those guys inactive. So you need to keep eight players that are going to play for you. So I think that that being said, there's probably a better defensive end slash tackle that is on the waiver wire than Lewis Neal. I agree with that. So, so there's a chance he he might be one of those guys that makes it to the initial cut. But yeah, and if Monday. I remember correctly, Jack Crawford was a guy that they maybe brought in the day after uh, yeah. the cuts. I yeah, they got him from Oakland. I think uh, was that have been 2015 or yeah, 2014? Like, 2014, I think. Yeah, because he went to London. Yes, yes. So, right, right. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think it was right then. I could Lewis. I could see a scenario where Lewis Neal makes the fifty-three on Saturday, gets cut on Sunday, and is still here on Monday as part of the practice squad. That, that and that happens every year. That's too. the week. That's how this weekend goes. Right? Yeah, he, a lot he, of guys he, have to. It do would be much that. better for him if it's Tuesday. If he could be on the well, roster by Tuesday, he makes a, a game check. Yeah, good. Point. Have a great Wednesday. All right, let's uh, let's take a phone call from Gerald in Baton Rouge. Gerald, what up? Baton Rouge, what up? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? No, pretty good. Uh, I want first of all to say blessings to everybody in South Houston. I uh, hope they can get back together and get get things in order. Thank you. Um, my question is, you know, being that Cooper Rush done a lot for over the preseason, and Kellen, he probably done, done a little more than Kellen Moore. Would it be too much to, you know, bring him to the practice squad instead of putting him on the regular fifty-three? And save that roster spot for something that we really need, like a, like you say, another defensive lineman or another linebacker, or say another cornerback. And uh, that's a my real question. I hang up and listen to you guys. All right, thanks for the call. It's, it's just I don't know if he has a full understanding of how that works. I think ideally, if you could guarantee the Cowboys that Cooper Rush makes it to the practice squad, they would do it. Explain that for other people, because I've I've gotten a couple questions he, on Twitter that made me think that people don't understand. How he was talking about Cooper he was Rush. talking about Cooper Rush. Yes. I thought he was talking about Kellen Moore. Was he? I thought he was talking about Cooper Rush. It sounded I I thought he meant Kellen Moore, but let's talk either about way, both, we can way, talk, let's talk about, about both yeah. scenarios. Yeah. Talk about first you, kind of you, what you release you a player, you release all of these players. Thirty-seven guys are going to get released, um, or they're going to get removed from the roster one way or another. They either they go to suspension, they go to they uh, injured reserve, waived injured, you know, or what cut. other kind of list? Retirement, who knows? Or just outright cut. Just cut. 37 guys are going to remove getting removed from the roster. They're going to clear waivers. They go through the waiver process. It takes 24 hours. That's why other teams start taking Which, these players. If you don't know, that means it it's literally just an order. It's the same draft order. It's the same order as the draft, all 32 teams. If you have not accrued four NFL seasons, 
you have to go through this waiver and a team can just claim you. So if the Jets want you and they're the first team to put in a claim, that's where you go. You don't have a say in it. You're a Jet. If if the Cowboys are the first team to put in a claim on you all the way back at 28, you're a Cowboy. And you don't have any say in it. And it, That's where you go. Only veterans so, become pure free agents. So, so Cooper Rush, is, if he gets released, then teams are going to look at it and go, is he better than our quarterback? He's done some, some good things. Better than our backup. Better yeah. than our backup. So you know they could probably sign him to the roster and so he doesn't clear the waivers. Kellen Moore... Same thing. Now he, I don't think he's got four accrued seasons there. He's been around, he's still practice squad eligible, he's still eligible for the practice squad. He'd have to clear through waivers. I think you have a better chance to, for him to clear waivers. So if you're going to cut one of your quarterbacks and put him on the practice squad, I think Kellen Moore is a better candidate for that because you know, Scott Lenahan's been the biggest cheerleader for him, and I don't know who else has been. You know, he's been on the practice squad for years in Detroit, and no one got him. No one poached him. So I don't know if anyone really has any interest. I have to believe at least a handful of teams would put in a claim on Cooper Rush, yeah, if not if not half the league. Think about all the teams that are strapped for quarterbacks. How many would, for Kellen Moore, though? None. None. I don't think. I like that idea. Put him so, on the okay. practice Kellen Moore. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I can speak for all four of us that we yeah. all like that idea. And you, can help, you can still help Dak. You can help any of these young guys here, on game day yeah. and do the things you need to do. Run scout team. Run scout team. Yeah. So let me bring that around because it's the thing I always say is I'm not trying to tell you what I would do. I'm trying to tell you what I think they're going to do. Uh-huh. I would still, at this point, whether you agree with it or not, be fairly surprised if Kellen Moore is cut. I agree with you. I yeah. think they're going to roll with three. Whatever... Whatever reasoning, whatever you want to say, however much it might aggravate you, that's what I think they're going to do. And if they don't, and maybe this whole thing with Zeke where we it looks like he's going to be on the 53, maybe that kind of forces their hand. If they don't keep Kellen Moore, I think it's because they had a long, hard conversation about it today and tomorrow. Like I th- That'll be the last spot that they make a move if they decide to. I, f- I really oh. think that it would... It would be a tough conversation just, for them to come. Just know this. When we do this the thing in the studio with Brian's going to be up at the board and we're going to be talking about it, Kellen Moore is going to get that little dot, whatever that they're going to push, and he, he will make the team. But that's only because, um, you know, that's just because of what we think is going to happen. I know I'll fight as long as we have time for it that he shouldn't be. He should not be on this roster. Bye, Felicia. Yeah. Should be. Thank and that's going to be a big distinction. Are you guys doing this based upon – what you think they're going to do, or are you doing this based upon this is your 53-man roster? Well, I think we have to do it based on what we think they're going to do because that's, I mean, we would have different you know. Who, care, who cares about what I think they're going right. to do or what I think they should do because I don't make that call. Right. But I would be – he would – Kellen Moore would be a surprise cut for me, even though I personally would cut him if it were up to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will. All right, let's take another question from Twitter. Any timetable for Cheeto and Jordan Lewis returns? What are y'all's estimate as to where, when we will be seeing them playing? Another thing lost in the shuffle, they did practice last night. They had a full – I mean, it was padded and everything. It wasn't – Did they practice fully? Well, I meant the team, but – Oh, I thought you were saying that. Cheeto Bay and Xavier Woods both, and Ryan Switzer for that matter, all did real deal practice, which is a great sign for them. Jordan Lewis suited up and did a few things, but he's still not doing the competitive. He didn't do one-on-ones. He didn't do full team. So he, I mean, I got to consider him a week one inactive. 
I, I would see. I would consider him to be inactive until somebody gets hurt or somebody he's forced into. Action? Yeah, I just don't see unless he's going to go on and practice when he finally does return to practice. I don't think he's just going to be lighting it up where he's just going to all of a sudden be, you know, active over over the guys that have been on the fifty three or on the forty six. Can, can he? Can a guy like him that's a rookie work his way on to special teams? Yeah. Once you get to that point, like let's assume that he's not really healthy to do a lot until to do all of that until next week. Let's say, if he's just able to do it at that point, they kind of already know what they want on special teams. I don't think he can show the coaches yet what he can do on special teams. So, is it tough for him to be? Because that's the way that he could get active is if he can play special teams. But I don't know if he has the time to show them right. that um, at this point of the season. You're right. I mean, now as a cornerback, you can be one of those guys that 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 you know blocks the gunner. But I I think that he's going to need and, and they happen. You know, that happens. Injuries will definitely happen here at cornerback, and so he'll get an opportunity. It's just that I don't I don't necessarily see him just whenever he's healthy, he's ready to go because he hasn't proven special teams wise and that he can play this league yet. Yeah, I well, get, well, sorry. Well, but it is a real. I mean, the other three. Woods, Cheeto, and Switzer, I think it's a fantastic sign that they're practicing a full 10 days before the opener, which they'll have every – I don't know if you can get them on the 46, but they'll have every opportunity to at least show something before. And and for Cheeto and Xavier, both of them, they practice for a right. good amount of training. And camp. that works in their favor. Right. They're not starting from scratch yeah. like Jordan is. I right. can't see Woods making the 46-man roster. The, the, no. active the game, game day active. I, I could see him being inactive for the first game. But shock me. But Cheeto, I think could. You know, he probably gives you a little bit more. I, I just, it's good for all three of them that they're able to to work with this much time until the game. All right, that's a wrap, guys. We uh, we got the uh, talking Cowboys guys out there ready to jump on the air. They're going to be coming up right here at eleven o'clock. And remember, at noon we got uh, hanging with the boys. So make sure you stay with us for the next couple hours. Live content here on DallasCowboys.com. Till then, for Nick Even, Amber Garcia, Dave Hellman, I'm Derek Eagles, and this has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!